Hi there, this is Alyssa from Unbusy, where I teach you how to simplify your home, create routines that work for you as a work-from-home mom, and up-level your work-at-home mindset. Today, I have a bonus episode for you. We're bringing on a guest, Andrea, to talk about the faith take on toxic body image. Andrea helps women heal from eating disorders and toxic body image by reclaiming their self-worth and realigning with their God-given identity and purpose. She inspires the pursuit of wellness from a foundation of faith and mindful mental health. Andrea's body image battle started when she was eight years old, giving her nearly 30 years of experience in the realm of body image dysmorphia, eating disorders, and other mental health disorders like anxiety and depression. She empathizes with the unique mindset of the child, teen, and adult navigating their self-worth and healing journey. So hi, Andrea. Welcome to the show. Hi, Alyssa. Thanks so much for having me on. I love your mission and your specific take on the body image and wellness with a faith-based perspective. Yes, that that is what the faith-based part is the biggest needle mover, I would have to say, in my own healing journey. And I don't know if very many people talk about it or I haven't heard much about it. So I want to share my story around that because it seems the mindset doesn't always include the faith aspect. Yes. So let's dive in a little more. Can you Tell our listeners more about how you revamped your own toxic body image by using your Christian faith. Yes. Um, so a lot of times <laughs> we get stuck in our heads. Okay. We, it, it's, it, there's this inner, this loud inner critic, cr- this loud inner critic that is almost like a megaphone constantly just uh, like just constant abuse all day long in your head about imperfections that you need to improve on. And what I started doing was I noticed that negative self-talk and I know I, I knew I needed to replace something. I knew I needed to pr- replace it with the truth, like the, my, the truth that God created me. <laughs> he made me who I am. He made me this way. And who am I to question the creator? So that's, so that's, it was, it's like a hard stop. So that really helped me right away. Like when I'd catch myself in a mirror and I would start going, as soon as I'd feel myself spiraling that way or kind of falling that way, I'd, I'd tell myself, stop. God made you this way. How, who are you to, to question the creator? This is like pretty much the only time in our lives when we can say, who are you, right? To, to, to question the creator who is, who, who has created everything. He's perfect. So he has created you. You are perfect. The way, the way he created you is the way you were meant to, to be really. And another part of that too, was then connecting, realigning yourself with your purpose. When we get wrapped up in our minds and focus on what we aren't, we, we forget who we were made to be. So I really had to, to spend time with God and reconnect with my inner child and real, realign myself with my God-given identity, like looking back at my childhood and seeing, no, this is who God made me to be. God created for me a purpose. I matter. I have value. And starting to find that in my life, 
really trying to reconnect with that again versus just constantly looking for what I'm looking at what I'm not and trying to fulfill something that's unattainable really and just being who I am being you know what I'm saying like just being that person he created me to be so it's kind of like a two-step process with with immersing yourself with the truth with God's truth about who you are and he did not make a mistake when he created us so taking that just just taking it for what it is and just moving on okay well why did he create me and looking at it that way and and as I started doing that and I believe that is is people start to reconnect with their purpose and when they have purpose in their daily lives the superficial things about how we look and it just falls away. It's not as important. And, and that's, that was really the big part for me is, is doing that, but it is, it's hard when you're kind of wrapped up in, especially with anxiety and depression and stuff as well, you get, you, you live in your head so much. So you really have to slow down and, and look at and evaluate what are you, what you are thinking about yourself and how greatly that impacts you. And then you have to, and those lies that you are telling yourself, and then you have to restart replacing it with that truth, that, that truth that, that you can go anywhere, you know, you can read the Bible, you can, you can listen to, I don't, I have, there's a station here called K-Love. I have to listen to it every day when I get in my car. I love it. Like just anytime I, I listen to a song, I read a Bible verse, I just feel better. And I feel like myself. There's this, you know what I'm saying? So that is, that is really how I have approached it from a faith perspective with, with changing the way I view myself. And those really, are both two really yeah. powerful flips. I think that whole uh, 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 stop right there. Don't talk back to God effectively. <laughs> and then the, well, quit thinking about what you're not, because if you're doing that, you're not living what you're supposed to be doing. I like that. Mm-hmm. So switching a bit. Can we talk about how, as moms, we need to set the example for our children, especially daughters, how the body image, self-worth, we want them to be strong in this at the same time as we might be having issues with it, that kind of a thing? Yes, exactly. Um, Years ago, I checked out this book at the library. It was called Managing Mayhem. And I checked it out with the purpose of reading about child emotions and how to help my my daughter regulate her emotion her emotions and let me tell you three quarters of this book was actually for the parent or the caregiver teaching them about their emotions and questioning do you know what your emotions are do you know how to manage your emotions and that's exactly what what it what that is in this scenario as well we can we can tell our children or our daughters how great they are, like how much purpose they have, how much they are loved, how beautiful and wonderful they are. But if they see us or hear us acting a different way, that's what they're going to emulate. So you really do have to start with yourself. And, and I had to do that. I had to, because if you say, oh yeah, it's okay to eat the cupcake at the birthday party and you don't eat the cupcake at the birthday party. It doesn't matter what you say. They are going to notice what you do. 
So starting with your, and, can they, and kids hear everything. They can, you, they can pick up, they pick up, they're so smart and they pick up on everything and they hear everything. So you really do have to, you have to watch how you speak to yourself and what kind of behaviors, like what your habits are and your behaviors around, like how, how healthy is your relationship with food in your body? because that is going to trickle down to your kids. You're teaching them how to view food, how to view food and how to have that relationship with their body. So when I have an affirmation that I have to say to myself, and when I hear overhear, like if I overhear my daughter say, oh, I look fat in these jeans, or I, I don't like the way I look in these clothes, when I go to speak to her about that and, and lift her up with the, the truth of how she's wonderfully, you know, she's, she's wonderfully made, it's going to be more genuine and she's, and she's going to know that I am serious when she hears me say it to myself and when she knows that I love myself and treat myself well. It's going gonna, it's gonna to have so much more impact if if what we say actually matches up with what we do. And that, it, it, it can be very hard. It can, there's a lot of steps involved with that, but it really does start with your personal relationship with food and, and your own body image. And then thus, then you can teach them, teach your kids how to have that healthy relationship as well into how to talk to themselves about it. You gotta give them, you have to have the tools and then you can teach them the tools. So it really does come with um, with you first. Does that make sense or? Yeah, it's like, yeah. Even, if, even if you feel like you're prepared to live this way, you wouldn't do it for yourself. You have to do it for them because the world's and roots that, will be hollow if it's not, you're not doing it. Yeah, and, and then one part of, and then another part of that too with, with our kids, like I, I learned recently that I didn't know that there were, there were other body types when I was younger. I didn't understand that there were actually, there's so many body types and I didn't understand also that being a female, how like your hormones affect your body naturally throughout the month, like this, this the ebb and flow of your body, like your body changes shape throughout the month. I had no idea about that. So specifically for girls, like I have two girls. So it is my job to educate them about the other, about the body types and that it's, and that they're all beautiful. And, uh, and then eventually, yeah, when they, when they, when they're old enough and they, you know, they start having their cycle and stuff like how that affects and it's okay. It's natural. It's expected. You can go up four pounds one day and drop four pounds. It's, it's, the, it's so natural. And I didn't know that. And so I was using that as kind of like a sign of like, I was doing something wrong. Like, I don't look like these other people. My body type was different, but I didn't know that. I thought, I thought it just meant that since I didn't look like them, because majority of kids will have that slender like body type it's not you know it's not till later that people really start their their metabolism changes and stuff and their hormones set in so I was I was really putting myself down 
but that's, but that was my body type. And I didn't know I was, that it was okay to be different. Mm -hmm. And, and, and then with social media these days, it's, it, it's gonna, it's hard. It's really hard. You have to be emotionally available for, for our kids to come to us with insecurities so we can start having these conversations and that, and also so that if there are red flags that are kind of popping up early, like if there are certain things that they're saying and doing that are harmful, that we can pick up on that and address it from an early age. And so that they're not internalizing everything they're feeling and trying to figure out, figure it out on their own. Yep. It really hits home because I have three daughters as well. Yes. Yep. And, and it, it really is. It comes down to having those conversations and educating because you know how it is. All the messaging, all the messaging that we receive as females and as young girls, it's like, this is the standard for beauty. So if you want to be loved and accepted and viewed as beautiful, this is, this is the box you have to fit into. And if you don't fit into this box, well, too bad, but that's, that's what they're going to hear. And that's the kind of messaging they're going to receive. So we have to be proactive in that and kind of telling them, this is what you're going to hear and see, but this is the truth. This is how we're going to, this is how we're going to be confident. And and then go back to those original things, like your identity, like your, your purpose in God, like God created the purpose. Let's focus on that. (laughs) And it's, and it's a fact that you were made, you were, he created you to be this way. So that is, that is the way you were supposed to be. Yep. Like you said, correcting any of those little tiny things that start to creep in. Just like, you know, I have teenagers now and then the kids are like, oh, you're fat. And like, they are no longer skinny children. They have, they are maturing. They have the womanly shape. And I'm sorry, some of our curves do not look skinny. (laughs) So, you know, there's nothing wrong. Then you have to parse the difference between skinny and slender uh, and trying to do it in an age appropriate way and the whole she doesn't have a beanpole body type anymore and that's yeah. okay. <laughs> yep. And, and it can be kind of awkward. And it's, see, that's one of the things too, is like when your body starts changing, it can get a little awkward, but then making sure it doesn't go so far as you're trying to change it into, you know, you're trying to change yourself into something you're not meant to be, <laughs> then it gets harmful. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, I also love your message of it's healthy to keep working out, like to enjoy exercise and not treat it as the root of all evil, which a lot of body image and diet culture seems to say, okay, well, then the fix is you need to stop making yourself exercise. So I'd also love to hear about your mindset approach to working out. Yes, this has to do with the narrative in my mind again. So at the beginning a lot of times when I would work out, it was, I have to do this so that I can eat. And, and I, it took years to slowly shift that into a place of now where when I'm working out, I have to listen to my mind and listen to my body. Like if it feels good, then I will keep doing it. I won't push through because when I was, when I was younger, um, it was like, I had to run four miles every day 
or else basically you don't, you don't, you don't, you didn't earn your food for that day. And, um, it's, there's a lot rolled into the, the exercising with me because my personality, I'm a very driven person and I always was in competitive sports and I have asthma. So I had to, to compete. I had to start, I had to start working out outside of like practices and things to stay in that much better shape so that my asthma would allow me to compete. So it wasn't, I was conditioned well enough, but the flip side of that was it that fed into my eating disorder. It was, it was a, it was a, it was a fine line I was walking and throughout. And then, and then years after that, there were some things, health, health things like there's, there's, there's heart disease in my family there's diabetes in my family. So then I felt like this need that if I don't work out, I'm going to develop heart disease. I'm going to do this. And really, I had to recreate the narrative in my mind so that it was, like I said, helpful, not harmful. I had to, um, we really have to have like a certain point, a certain amount of healing to get to that point too, because exercise, like working out, it's not, it's a non-negotiable, it's a non-negotiable for me because for mental health, I need that also because of anxiety. And we, and so many people, we, we all know the health benefits of working out. I mean, you're going to lower your risks of, of, yeah, you're going to lower your risks of these diseases like heart disease and diabetes. And then as we age, especially as women, it's like, I don't want osteoporosis when I'm in, you know what I'm saying? I want my bones to be strong. I, I want to, I want to have this quality life. It's kind of shifted. It's like in my early twenties, you know, it was all about the way I looked. Now it's about my quality of life and my functionality and the, how I want my life to proceed going forward. It's like, I want to be able to run and play with my kids. I want to be able, you know, to go hiking and biking. And then, and then as I get older, I want, if, if I ever have grandchildren, I want to be able to get on the floor with them and play and, and do these things. It's just, you know, it's, I'm 30, what, what am I now? 37. And so you, you, you kind of start, you kind of start looking at that and you can kind of start noticing like the people in your life that you're like, oh my gosh, they didn't really, maybe didn't do this, the best job taking care of their body. And that's part of it too, is our bodies are the vehicles for our souls. And if we can't, if we don't take care of our vehicle, then we can't live out our purpose. So that's, see, it's very important to me because if I'm not feeling well, if I can't, if my, if my mental health isn't good, if my, if I don't, if my back hurts all the time, if, if that's happening, then I'm not feeling good enough to do what I was created to do. I can't, I can't be the good mom. I can't be the good wife. I can't, 
I can't help other women in their healing journeys. So it's very important to identify why it's like almost set up like your why for exercise and you have to evaluate it and, and make it and really question it. You have to question what aspects of this are helpful and what aspects are harmful and you have to change it. So if you're over-exercising, if you, if you start feeling yourself, oh, I need to work out today. I, I should do this. That's a red flag for me to, to stop again, kind of like that stop moment and say, well, why, why do I think that? Like, what, why would I work out right now? What is this doing for me? And it's really about slowing down and, and allowing yourself to feel those things and have those conversations. But it, it, it's a process of slowly over time, you get better at changing that narrative and molding the approach into something that works for you. And for each person, it can be different, but that's, that's how it's worked for me. And cause I, I've seen the evidence in my life from, from, um, not my first pregnancy. I didn't really exercise that much. I didn't, I didn't really do that. And then in my second pregnancy and oh, first back to my first pregnancy, and I, I didn't really exercise very much in my recovery after birth. Like I was in so much pain. My body was, I felt miserable. My back hurt so bad. And I, after my, and then during my second pregnancy, I started doing prenatal exercises. And then I actually had a program that I did after birth and it was, it was phenomenal. It was a 180 change from first pregnancy to second pregnancy. So my second pregnancy, I felt great after I felt great during childbirth and after I didn't, I had like no pain. I took no pain pills. The first one, I had so many pain pills. And the second one, I didn't take a single pain pill and my back never hurt. Like I just, I bounced back just my body, like this, the way I felt inside. And so it, it was just like kind of, it's kind of proof to me, like that was like a little signal. Geez, if that, if that's what exercise can do in that situation, I got to keep this up because it, it is true. If you don't use it, you lose it. And it, it's just, it's just something I I'm very passionate about moving your body and, and working out in ways that work for you in your life. And it's, like I said, it's a necessity. And I think I'm doing, I think I have the right approach to it. Cause I, I asked my daughter, my nine-year-old the other morning, I asked her, Ava, I, cause I just got done from my workout downstairs and I came up, I said, Hey, Ava, why do I work out? Why does mom work out? And she said, so that you can have a healthy mind and a healthy body. And I was so happy when she said that, cause she didn't say anything about, about the way I looked, you know, because you have to do this. It was, and she mentioned my mind. So that tells me that my approach to working out is it's, it's working and it's modeling 
the healthy approach that I want for my girls. I was so happy when she said that because you want a healthy mind and you want a healthy body. Yes. And, and that, so I, I love that. So, right. That kind of connects to your first question about, or the second one about how we model, how we have to do it for ourselves first and figure it out. Then we have to model that. But that, that meant the world to me when she said that, because it was a relief that, because it, years ago, I would have said, oh, because you have to look this way or you have to lose weight because you're trying to, you're trying to lose weight. And that's not what she said. And that, that just really warmed my heart. It made me feel so good that she got that piece of it, that she understands why I do it. <laughs> yes. It's so wonderful when they catch it. Yes. So would you tell our listeners where we can find you? And if you have anything for them to take action steps on this faith-filled body image flip? Yes, I actually have my own podcast. It's called Good Vanilla, and I release episodes weekly so they can find anywhere, you know, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. I'm also on Instagram, and it's just Andrea underscore Carol. And then I think you have my Linktree link. And within that, I actually created a workbook called Four Secrets Your Eating Disorder Doesn't Want You to Know. And these are just four things that I wish I would have known many years ago that, <laughs> that I was in, I felt like I was in the dark on. And then once I had like light bulb moments, they're kind of like four light bulb moments that really help you take those first steps in, in your healing journey. And, but those are the main places. I, I do have a website, um, just andreacaro.com, but yeah, I'm on Instagram. I have, yeah, that workbook and my podcast. I'd love, I would, I, I teach, I teach on my podcast about, you know, just, just about how I've gone through my healing journey and like the practical steps and the mindset shifts that I've done in, in, in my, in healing. So, yes. yes we'll have that link tree in the show notes for you guys. Since now I'm curious, what are the four things? <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for coming on the show, Andrea. Bye for now and have a great day.